Okay, so a couple of headlines to kick off the show today, and we're going to go over these and talk plenty more about these headlines and a couple of other things with the returning Elliot Friedman in a couple of moments. Uh, I guess we can refer to it as back to reality for uh, Rick Tockett and the Vancouver Canucks. You know, after shelling the Chicago Blackhawks in Tockett's debut, uh, right back down, get your feet on the earth. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks waxed by the Kraken 6-1 to one yesterday. We'll get into that. And here's another question for you. Did the New York Islanders just lose a must-win game? 2-1 to one to the Ottawa Senators. Congratulations. Ridley, Ridley Craig makes his NHL debut. His father, Mike, played 125 games in the NHL for Hartford, Toronto, Calgary, and Philadelphia. We talk about games along the way that you have to have. If you're going to be a playoff team, and there is, that is very much in question and very much in dispute when it comes to the New York Islanders, there are certain games you have to win was last night one of them for the New York Islanders. Now, a couple of things before we get to Elliot. Maybe I should do this almost every show because it seems, you know, almost every show there's something that I either miss on or mess up or, you know, just people have a different opinion on. I keep my DMs open. A lot of people have my number. Like I get texts all throughout the show and into the evening as well. Um, what I want to read to you here in a couple of moments, but uh, a couple of bits of cleanup from yesterday. When I was talking to Greg Wyshynski, and I got a lot of notes about this right away, I should put the video out later on as well on, on my Twitter feed, um, I referenced a penalty box fight at Maple Leaf Gardens. It was, it turned, I thought it was, um, uh, I thought it was Jim Korn uh, playing against the Hartford Whalers. It wasn't, it was against the Quebec Nordiques. 1982 was Jim Korn against Wally Weir, Mike Agello uh, from the Off the Post podcast. Thank you so much for pointing that one out initially. Um, also, in the conversation with Wish, we were talking about the walk-off interview and asking players what happened on the ice and, you know, what does that mean? And um, I, I generally, and I've done it plenty of times, I've done ringside plenty, I generally don't like asking that type of question about something that just happened because athletes, as we were mentioning yesterday kind of go into autopilot when they're playing and the game almost plays them they have so much muscle memory body memory brain memory about how to play in different situations they don't really know what's going on uh, a lot of the time so I get a note from Shane Malloy who's the a long time a long time friend and you know he's the the host of the uh, uh, hockey prospects radio uh, and podcast properties written a book on scouting called the art of scouting he said, uh, you were talking with Wish about players not recalling specific sequences. That's true. We've all seen it. The word you were searching for is autotelic. The player becomes so immersed in play that cognitive load drops and that affects their short-term memory. So commit that one to memory. Autotelic. That's what happens uh, when you ask the player when he or she comes right off the ice what happened there and they scramble for an answer because the real answer is they don't know. Uh, the other thing that I mentioned yesterday, and this got an interesting uh, couple of comments here from a, a longtime agent friend of mine who says, you know, I was making the point that Gary Bettman, whether you like him or not, one of the things we do have to admit here is like Gary Bettman for a long time, every room, the old saying about Gary is every room that he's been in, he's always the smartest person in that room. Now, this agent took exception, not as an exception, but had a different viewpoint on it. Uh, he says to me, heard your show today, would dispute that Gary is always the smartest guy in the room. 
would acknowledge he's usually the most well-informed and knowledgeable person in the room and the most obsessed with achieving his mission comes from the 90s when Goodnow kicked his ass. And I went back and forth and we talked about the lockout in, in 1994 and... <laughs> This agent says, by the way, wasn't so much the CBA in 94, it's about Bob Goodnow, it was creating an environment where players believe they were minimized by the owners and league and their very own players association as well, wasn't tough to do following revelations of Alan Eagleson's BS. That might have been the only fight that we've seen Gary Bettman quote-unquote lose was the 1994 lockout. Now, he'd only been commissioner for a couple of years, and all the other lockouts, he you know gained major concessions from the Players Association to the point where it's at the spot where it's at now, it's at now where we hear players grumbling on a consistent basis about the nature of the CBA. Um, that was one where Bob Goodnow was fighting back the idea of luxury tax or some types of salary cap and had convinced the commissioner that he was a strong enough commissioner. He didn't need something as artificial as a salary cap to keep control of his league. We can all remember terms, well, I shouldn't say all of us, unless some of us can remember terms like and sayings like, we will not capitulate from Harry Sinden, uh, the Boston Bruins at, uh, at that point. That was an interesting one. You know, there's been a lot of ink spilled about the 2004-2005 lockout, and we're still, by the way, feeling the effects of it now in the game. Somewhere along the way, maybe when the season quiets down a little bit, I wouldn't mind doing something on what we saw in 1994-95 and the first uh, of Gary Bettman's lockouts. Anyhow, on that happy note, let's get the show started. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. So that's what it's come to, just reading people complaining about things that I get wrong in their estimation on the program. So welcome to it. Uh, Coming up on the show today, as I mentioned, Elliot Friedman standing by, Dan Dunleavy, Fan 590 alum, and Buffalo Sabres play-by-play voice will be aboard. It is the Sabres and the Jets tonight. And if you look at things like winning percentage, they're already in a playoff position. Second wild card, three games in hand over the Washington Capitals. Caps with 56 points, Sabres with 53 points, but the winning percentage is on side with the Buffalo Sabres. We have the random player of the day as well, and that is just our one. And let's kick it off here with Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> How are you feeling, pal? You okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I went out to shovel. It's so pathetic. I went out to shovel this morning, and I couldn't do the whole driveway. Yeah. I'm so wimpy. Uh, it's uh, That's a ton of snow, man. Like, I'm only halfway. Like, I did the driveway yesterday twice and then got up again this morning and did it, but I'm just, I'm just game seven about shoveling. I don't know what it is. Like, I just have this. I'm naturally drawn to it, and I won't. I love shoveling, until too. Until it's done. It's, it's a, I know. It's, it's, uh, listen, I, d- I do a lot of shoveling both on the air and off the air, as people <laughs> have told me before. Well, when you uh, work with me, so you So a, have a few things. Yes. <laughs> it's a... It's a prerequisite here. We've talked about the nature of uh, of, of creative BSing. Um, a lot to get to, and I want to get your thoughts on what we saw last night, Vancouver and Seattle. But first, yeah. uh, whenever there is a trade, we must dissect Matt Nieto, Ryan Merkley go from San Jose 
uh, to Colorado, uh, Jacob McDonald and Martin Cow, a former first round draft pick, Czech prospect, uh, going the other way. Uh, your initial thoughts on this one, other than you know, it looks as if Colorado and San Jose are playing ping pong with Matt Nieto. I think obviously Colorado knows what they've got there, right? Like they've had him before. So to me, that was a familiarity thing uh, as much as anything else. Like they're looking for depth and they've got a guy there they really know. So I wasn't surprised to hear he was in it. You know, Merkley, I think it was Frank who reported earlier this year that he asked for a trade and wanted to go elsewhere and start again. And yeah, Cout uh, I think is the same way. I I don't know if he specifically asked for a trade, but when they put him on waivers this year, a couple of people told me that he wasn't long for there. So I, I like it just mm-hmm. makes sense. It's two young players who uh, need fresh starts, talented guys. Just hasn't worked, and you know Merkley will get his in Colorado, and Cout will get his in San Jose. So. I mean, in terms of what everybody's looking at here, it makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the things that, you know, initially people looked at and sort of snickered at is the idea of, you know, playing table tennis with uh, with uh, with Matt Nieto between these these two squads. And I don't know how much brain power you spent yesterday, you know, with your favorite sort of ping pong hockey player. The, the couple that I came up with was, you know, the always returning Daryl Sador to Dallas, yeah. the always returning... Luke Robitaille to Los Angeles. I think there were three goes around with Robitaille there. But you know the one that I, and trust me, I spent way too much time thinking about this and digging this up on uh-huh. uh, Hockey DB. You know my favorite one is, Frege? Remember, um, remember Joe Corvo? Oh, yeah. Wow, what a pull. Okay, so you want to hear the Corvo story? This is okay. awesome. And I had forgotten all about, I had forgotten all about this. <laughs> so he goes... From Ottawa to Carolina to Washington, back to Carolina, to Boston, back to Carolina, and then back to Ottawa. That might be my favorite career trajectory, to Carolina three times, to Ottawa twice. Uh, You know, refuting the idea that you can never go home again. Although when you're passed around that many times, what is home uh, at that point? So, you know, know, that's a a great poll. That is like, I, (laughs) Merrick, only you could come up with that. Like, and that's a tip of the cap. That's not a rip. (laughs) But you know who I come up with is Mark Recchi. I think he went to Pittsburgh three different times. Oh, and yeah, uh, and did he? Like he was Philly drafted there, twice. and they traded him. They traded him to Philly, and then they traded him to. Uh, he came back. I, I hope I have this right. I'm doing this off the top of my head. He came. He, they they sort of they traded him to. to um, they traded him to Philly. He went to Montreal, obviously, and then he came yeah. back. Uh, and then they traded him to Carolina, where he won another Stanley Cup. So, and then I think he came back yeah. again. So I think he was a, a penguin three different times. People can tell me if I'm mucking this up, but I think he was a penguin yeah. three different times. Oh, they'll let us know, Elliot. Don't worry. They'll, yes. they'll let us know. Yes, they will. Here. Yes. Joe Corvo, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll let us know. So now here becomes the question. Um, how do we look at this trade? Do we look at this trade as just, uh, as you mentioned, you know, uh, two young players that need a fresh start, Martin Kout yes. and Merkley, and Matt Nieto goes because, you know, look, the Colorado Avalanche are filling out their, their bottom six and they want more depth for a run. Or mm-hmm. do you look at it and say, this is the beginning of the great sell-off for the San Jose Sharks? 
No, I, I think this is. I, I don't think this is part of that. I, uh, I I think that this is probably independent. It's two young players looking for a fresh start, and Colorado getting a player they know. So I, I don't. I don't see this any more than that. I think. I, I think we're still a little bit away of uh, San Jose. At least I don't have any indication right now that they're about to do anything big. I think this is independent of everything else. All right. Um, a tale of two teams, the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, yep. They were a much different team against Chicago than they were last night against Seattle. You know, not exactly. It's not as if we couldn't predict this. And it's back-to-back yep. as well. And the new coach bump. And they were really all over Chicago in that, in, in that game two nights ago. And then, you know, back to reality against a really good Seattle Kraken team. And, you know, the Tockett presser uh-huh. afterwards was, was yeah. vintage Rick Tockett and disappointed <laughs> in his team, wondering about yeah. things like compete, etc. cetera. Um, in, in the two-game audit under Rick Tockett here, we've seen two profoundly different teams. Your thoughts mm-hmm. on what we're seeing out of Vancouver right now? Well, first of all, I know that the Western Conference back-to-backs generally tend to be a lot tougher than the Eastern ones, but that is not a tough back-to-back. Yeah. Okay, so I, I don't even want to hear that used as an excuse. Like Vancouver, Seattle, and the West. I mean, that's aside from L.A. Anaheim, like, is there anything closer? Um, so I don't even think you can, you can use that as an excuse. You know, I, I said this earlier this year. Do you remember the... Do you remember like the the five alarm blaze when when Keith used the S word against the Maple Leafs this year, or was it last year? I can't even remember Soft. anymore. Yes, Soft. I can't remember when That's he the said one thing it, you don't call players. Well, I remember oh. I I did that on the air once, like years ago at, at hockey night, and Healy off the air gave me an enormous dressing down. Like he said, like, oh, yeah. and Healy was like, Healy was says, I don't care that you didn't play in the NHL. But he said to me, if you're calling someone soft, you better be able to back that up because that is the worst thing you can call an NHL player. So I always remembered that one. comment from Healy. Um, so if you're, and now, I mean, talk it, I, you know, I think he's got a little bit more cachet than I do to use that phrase. So he knows exactly what he's tougher. doing. Little, yeah, little, just little a little bit. bit. But, but, you know, the, the thing is, is that, if you're using that, that's about as as bad as a thing you can call your team. Like, you know what it kind of reminded me of? Do you remember that Michelle Terrian press conference in Pittsburgh a few years ago where yeah. he called all those defensemen soft. Soft. soft? So right away, right away, Rick Tockett is dropping the gauntlet on his team. It didn't take long. And, you know, Jason Bruff put out uh, – I was watching online some of the um, – uh, some of the clips from uh, from Talkit last night, but if you watch one in particular that Jason Bruff puts out, like basically Talkit can't mm-hmm. even speak. He's so annoyed and frustrated about the way they played that he can't put a sentence together. And uh, you know, I, I you're right. Like the Blackhawks are one thing, and, and Vancouver dominated that game. The ice was pretty tilted, but last night you got a real team, a good team, and. You know, uh, uh, you can see what Tockett's reaction was. I understand that, but, the, the, you know, watching the press conference yesterday, watching the, watching the presser yesterday, I couldn't help but thinking to myself, what did you expect? Like, none of this can be a surprise. Like, we've all watched the Vancouver Canucks 
you know, uh, Rick as a as a as a professional on TNT has watched the Vancouver Canucks all season as, as as well. Like I don't know, like playing the soft card early, like game two, like you know the Vancouver Canucks. What did you expect them to turn into when you showed up behind the bench? Like, did you think it was going to be a completely different team? Like I don't know. Well, I part, think, I... That, part of that to me, part of that to me just sort of rung rung a little hollow for each. You know, I think there's a couple of things I would say to that. Number one, um, I, I think that I, I think that coaches like like Gerard Gallant is the same way. I did a coaches clinic with uh, the coaches association uh, in in the at the draft last year. It was Marty San Luis, yep. it was Dave Haxtell, and it was uh, Gerard Gallant. And like basically, I asked them what makes you upset at players and Haxtell gave this long answer and they weren't critical of players. They just said, you know, like basically like they all like Haxtell and San Luis said, you have to be very careful. I have to do it. But Haxtell gave this criteria of things that bother them. San Luis gave this thing about things that bother them and how you handle it. And Gallant just gave a really short answer. He says, I hate it when we get pushed around. I hate it when people don't stand up for themselves. And Tockett is the exact same way. And maybe it's because both of these guys played in the 80s. But, you know, for as skilled, as much as the game has changed and as skilled as the game has become, and I think we'd all agree that the skill level top to bottom is better than it's ever been, hockey is still a game of the puck's right there. Which one of you two guys is getting it? Especially when the playoffs start. And, you know, yeah. um, I, I, look, I, I just think that guys like Tockett, Jeff, they can't stand that. They cannot stand softness. And Gallant is the same way. Like, I know Ranger fans go goofy about some of the ways that Gallant deploys. Like, whether you agree with it or not, when he's the coach, that's what he cares about the most. Are you fighting for your ice? Are you battling for your ice? And Tockett, who was one of the toughest guys to ever play the game, that's what he's going to see. He's going to see, are you battling for your ice? And last night, evidently, he didn't see that. <laughs> no one did. Uh, big win by Seattle over the uh, over the Vancouver Canucks. Okay, so you, you mentioned the Rangers there. So let, let, let's get on the Rangers page here. So they dropped one yeah. yesterday to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mitch Marner with the overtime heroics. Uh, I'm not wow, sure who what had goal. what assignment and OT for the Rangers, but there was a whole lot of statue practice, a whole lot of elevator yeah. practice um, by the Rangers yesterday and a really gorgeous goal by, by Mitch Marner. But getting there was interesting. I mean, this was a, a game where, you know, Igor Shosturkin, who's, you know, traditionally owned the Toronto Maple Leafs, continued to do so, thought he was sparkling. And I, I want to get your thoughts on the kids. And I I, uh, I retweeted, you know, someone threw out the viz of Capo Caco's work before the Filipino goal, and it's exemplary. Like, everything you're talking about, Elliot, about how yeah. this is still, you know, even though it's a skill game now, you want to see effort, and I'm getting the puck, and that's my puck. The work that Caco puts in to keep the play hot in the uh, in the offensive zone, you know, outside of the Marner goal, it might be the play of the game. Like, Kako's work is outstanding, and, you know, you, you, I think we all wonder sort of what the future of these three kids are, Alexi Lafreniere, Capo Kako, and, and Philip Hedl. What did you see from those three last night? Anything jump out at you maybe other than that Kako play? Well, I, I mean, I, I just I, – I, the one thing I wonder if we're starting to see some separation, Jeff, between 
you know, Heedle, I, I think everybody sees him established as a player. And I, I think Kako, it's been slower than people would like, but I think it's getting there. And I think the big question everybody has is about Lafreniere. And, you know, yeah. like, 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 I just see, I just see some, I think, I think you got Heedle at a certain level where he's getting to, I don't want to say star level, but you can see where, what he's going to be, and it's going to be pretty good. And I think Kako has started to elevate himself. I think we're all waiting for Lafreniere to get to that next level. Now, I think one of the biggest challenges there is that, you know, who's ahead of him on the depth chart? You know, it's, it's a tough spot for him because, you know, when you've got two wingers with the, with the caliber of ability that, <coughs> excuse me, he has ahead of him, it's a difficult thing. And the other tough thing there is, you know, there's all these rumors about trading him. This guy was a number one pick, what, three years ago? Like, nobody wants to do that. So that's what I look at there is I think the toughest thing for him is, is there a spot on the roster? Like, how does he carve his spot on the roster out there when you look at what you have ahead of him on the wing? And so, and, and the other thing is, like I said earlier, that coach, if you're going to – like, one of the reasons the, the Rangers made the changes they made a couple of years ago was the owner thought the team uh, – to use your word, the owner thought – t- or Tonkett's word, the owner thought the team was, was too soft. So they bring in a guy who's hard-nosed. You know what? You have to know what kind of coach you're playing for. So that, to me, is, is the challenge there with Lafreniere is – where do you find the spot in the roster that makes sense for him and them? We shall see. Um, I want to ask you about the Penguins, and I want to ask you about Tristan Jari. So yeah. he's injured now, and yeah. we'll see what happens after All-Star. And, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins, like we talked about them before. When they're good, they're really good. Like, they're elite. Um, it was great to see Chris Letang come back uh, a couple of nights ago in that wild one against Florida mm-hmm. 7-6, and he scores the overtime goal, four points en route. Um, do you think there's a chance that the Pittsburgh Penguins get in the goalie market, even just for some type of insurance. Like, they've got the band back together for a couple of more seasons here. You know, Malkin resigns, Latang resigns, Rust resigns. They're going to keep taking more wax at this thing here. You don't want the whole thing undone because a goalie can't stay healthy and you can't let the whole thing come undone because there's inconsistent play from Casey DeSmith. Do you think there's a chance they get in the goalie market through all of this? I, I do, I'll tell you this, Jeff. I do not envy their position. I, I, I really don't, because um, when when if it's like a groin injury, as it sounds like with Jari, um, uh, when's it going to get healthy? Like, that's what, why I what wonder about them getting in the goalie market. Like that's that's the skating yeah. muscle. Like look, like, goalies need to be elite skaters now, now more so than ever. And the nature of how you play that position, you have to be really strong in that area. And if you don't know, and you have those question marks about Jari staying healthy and getting the hospital bracelet off, how do you not say, you know what, we didn't plan to be in this market, but maybe we should be looking for a goalie. Well, I, I think the tough thing is that if if you're an organization. And you remember what happened to them in the playoffs last year against the Rangers when they were, you know, when they were basically down to guys like Domingue playing and after eating the broccoli and then, 
the goalies being held together by duct tape, like red green had put them together to play the games. Um, <laughs> you know, like, it, 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 because that happened last year, you're, you're almost in a position where you, you can't let that happen again this year. Like, how, how would you want to be judged as a, as a manager or a coach, Jeff, if that happened to you two years in a row? Like, you wouldn't. You can't. So, and I, and I think the, re, the really challenging thing for them is that it's not like they have a lot of things that they can do um, in terms of cap room or assets to make moves. So they're probably sitting here saying, you know, our, our number one priority was this and this. And now we have to deal with this. I think they're in a really tough spot. But the one thing I really do feel is you can't do this two years in a row. So I would say, yes, they're probably looking at it. I mean, it was so crazy the other night. That that game against Florida, basically, I I can't remember the last time I saw two teams with only one goalie. Like I I was telling Colby Armstrong, he might have to play. <laughs> e-bug Colby Armstrong. I love it. Well, because the e-bug would have had to, like, the e-bug might have had to play for, like, like you know, Rob Tallis was going to have to dress again. I was going to, might have had to go in again. Like, it, it was crazy. I was watching yeah. that game. I felt terrible for that kid, Lion. He gets, he gets five out of uh, eight points for them, but he has to play that back-to-back, yeah. and he gives up 13 goals, and the kid looked devastated. I, that was awful to yeah. watch, really. Uh, it's a tough position. Uh, okay, a few things I want to fly through here before we uh, before we get to uh, Dan Dunleavy in a couple of seconds. Actually, let me let me ask you about the Buffalo Sabers before he comes on. So it's the Sabers and the Jets. The Buffalo Sabers are on a nice little winning streak here. And if you look at the points, Washington's in the second uh, wild card spot. But if you look at the winning percentage, the Buffalo Sabers are there. They have games yeah. in hand over Washington. They trail them by three. Um, Washington's hearing Buffalo Sabres footsteps. You know, I was talking to someone this morning and I was saying, ah, I'm not sure if the Sabres have the depth. And this person said to me, yeah, but they're young and they'll have energy all the way through yeah. the season. Like, I'll give it to the Sabres, man. They're they're making this one interesting here for each. Well, I, I like to see it. The math is good for them. I, I, li- I like to see it. Um, I, I think it's good for a great market, one of the best hockey markets in the league that they are showing some excitement and they're in the race. I like races. We all like races. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. Like Kevin Adams, he always says we have a plan and we're not deviating from the plan. And it's smart because too often deviating from the plan has really hurt the savers. So like, that's, that's one of the things that um, I'm, I'm going to be very interested in seeing. And the other thing too, is just the goaltending. They have a really unique setup. Like you yep. basically look at it now, it's Anderson's going to play once a week. Um, Lukanen looks like their number one guy, and Comrie kind of yep. fills in where necessary. Like, Jeff, how many playoff teams can you ever remember playing goal like this? It's, it's, it's wild. Like it's, it's, so that's the one thing that I think they, that they're going to have Detroit, to manage. Detroit, Detroit had it for a bit. Right, and it, and it made everybody miserable. Uh, was that uh, Cujo, Hashik, that era? And, oh, and yeah, nobody, yeah, and early, early, early in the year. Yes, yes. 
But this is a little, I mean, at least in in that case, there were what? Two Hall of Famers there, and and there was Manny Legacy. And Manny Legacy, if I remember correctly, he understood what his role was. That's a little different. Like, this is this is uh, one veteran and two younger guys and and one of them's only playing once a week because quite rightly that's all he can play like this is and he gives them good performances when he gets out there like it's it like i've yeah. never i don't think i've ever seen anything like this yeah no it's uh it's unique and you wonder what sort of temptation kevin adams is going to have like if they're right in there like if if they're in that second wild card spot or first wild card spot or wherever they end up and you're Kevin Adams and it's trade deadline. I mean, on the one hand, it's like, okay, these guys got us here. And then on the other hand, it's yes, they got us here. Do I owe them something? Do I reward them with something? Because, I think you, know, I think I, you, know, I, expect- think, I think you have to, I, I, but the thing is, I think you can do it. Moderation. I, I, I think you have to do it. Uh, with your fan base and your and your players, but I don't think you have to like I don't think you have to do anything too crazy. Like one of the things I'm beginning to wonder now, Jeff, is if this is going to be uh, a buyer's market. If there's a lot of teams that want to dump payroll, and a lot of the teams that uh, are going to say, you know, we don't really need to add, we don't really need to pay the big prices. Like that's why I'm really curious about like Columbus letting teams talk to Gavrikov and uh, San Jose is going to let teams talk to Meyer if they have a deal they like. Like that says to me that some of these teams are a little concerned about what the market's going to be, which is fine. So like, I think Mm -hmm. if Buffalo, you're Buffalo, you could make a good value pickup, not maybe the biggest splash, but something you can do that isn't too expensive that says to your players, okay, we're not going to do anything we think is dumb, but we are going to get you a little bit of help. Um, quickly before I let you go, did you see who scored last night? You mentioned Columbus. Did you see who scored for Columbus again last night in their win over the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, you'll have to forgive me. I was a little bit comatose. Kirill, Kirill Marchenko oh, this is, scores so, uh, again. Cy Young, is he 11-0 and 0 now? Yes. He's 11-0. It's a great story, and it's Columbus, so it's not getting many headlines. But Kirill Marchenko uh, has 11 goals and no assists. I think we're all waiting for someone to rattle off a a big number, like, you know, 20 goals and no assists or 25 goals and no assists. We could be on our way here with Marchenko, who, by the way, like jokes aside about the Cy Young, and we're looking for bright spots here in Columbus, everybody. He looks really good, Fridge. Marchenko Mm -hmm. looks really good. Hardest thing to do in this league is score. So if you can do that, there's all. It's like like Brandon Peary. Remember what was he like, eighteen and two or something like that? Oh yes. Oh yeah, we've had some good pulls on this uh, on this hit today. We started with Joe Corvo. We've ended up with Brandon Peary. This is pretty good. Yeah, pretty good, Fridge. Welcome back. Well done. Uh, Okay, there we go. So, uh, oh, by the way, tonight the marquee matchup: Bruins and Bolts. It's Boston and Tampa in season cup. Friedman Merrick. Oh, let's go, Tampa! I'm, I, I've I've cut your lead down to like thirty five. I'm really excited here. <laughs> I'm hearing footsteps. We should, uh, yeah. but that'll be that'll be a good one. Watch that one on uh, Sportsnet East Ontario and Pacific. All right, Fridge, uh, happy shoveling the sequel. Uh, go yeah. have part two out in the driveway. All right, take care, man.
There he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts on Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, we're taking a break here. We're going to come back and talk to Dan Dunleavy. If you're listening to us in Toronto, yes, fan alum. Uh, and he's the play-by-play voice of the Buffalo Sabres. He joins me here in a couple of moments. It is the Swords and the Jets tonight. Uh, one of a number of games on board around the NHL. Shannon Goldman, an hour or two, and Louis DeBrusque. Uh, we'll talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Dropped a tough one last night to Columbus. Uh, we'll catch up on the Oilers, and I do want to ask him about his son, Jake, as well, and the, the Winter Classic experience. Anyhow, uh, all that's still to come. Thanks for joining me. Back in a moment, Merrick Show, Sportsnet Radio Network.